You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 224 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on July 27th. Yes, we're recording on Monday. That's no particular reason. Uh, sorry we missed last week. Sometimes these things happen. And uh, since we did not do a what we're reading for our Comic-Con episode, we have three weeks worth of comics to discuss. And Roger, I honestly couldn't remember what comics I read three weeks ago. <laughs> I have a crap load, but apparently this is not going to be a long episode, so I won't be able to talk about them all. We'll just we'll see where we go. <laughs> I'm just saying. I also have a lot, so you never know. <laughs> Before we actually start into the comic books, though, have you watched the um, the new Justice League Gods and Monsters animated film? No. Have you heard about it? I have heard about it, and I've seen the digital comics, but I haven't read those either. I read a little bit of the digital comics, but I didn't. I haven't gotten through all of them. Because it kind of branches off in the different characters and whatnot. But I did watch the the animated film, and it's good. Like, I really liked it. Like not As, as we've come to expect from DC Animated at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's not spectacular. It's nowhere near like a Batman Beyond kind of thing. But it was friggin' awesome. And I actually had not been reading the uh, the digital so I went into this. Because I think they were releasing blind. the digital like daily for a couple of weeks. It was just a lot to keep up with. Yeah. So I, and it was great going into it, not knowing what to expect. I knew it would be, you know, the different versions, obviously, of the, the trio, but not quite sure what to expect. It was friggin' awesome. Plus, I liked that it, this is not geared towards kids. I don't actually know what the rating is on it, but it's definitely not geared for kids. <laughs> There's a little bit of language plus some pretty heavy insinuations and stuff, innuendos. Um, but man, I, I, I like that about it as well, that it was a little bit grittier and more for an adult to enjoy. And I mean, it had great voice acting too. Benjamin Pratt, Michael C. Hall, Dexter, and uh, Tamara Taylor, who's, uh, she's in Bones. We, we like watching Bones. And there's a bunch of, hey, Jesus, Richard Chamberlain's in this. Wow. <laughs> so like, there's a lot of fantastic voice talent in this. So it kind of rings true when you're, you're, you're hearing them. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. And hmm. it's that style that we like, you know, that Batman Beyond kind of style. So I really dig that. So definitely worth watching. If you haven't seen, seen it, it's worth it. it. The rating isn't the highest. It's like 6.9. I'm looking at it on IMDb. I disagree. I think it's higher than that. All right. Well, it's interesting because along those same lines, I did see Ant-Man this past weekend. Mm. And? Way better than I was expecting. Really? Like, Knowing all of the shenanigans that went on behind the scenes with, you know, Edgar Wright and then him leaving and then them rewriting half the script and bringing in new directors and all that. I was expecting it to still be good because, well, it's Marvel. They haven't even their worst movies have still at least been entertaining. This was really good. I would honestly say it's second to Winter Soldier as far as their solo movies are concerned. This was great. Really? Yeah. The story Wait, hold on. Hold on. What do you mean solo movies? You don't mean... I, not counting Guardians or Avengers. Well, Captain hardly qualifies as a solo movie. Come on. The title <laughs> is Captain America. Yes, but it was an Avengers movie and you know it. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, Roger. But you're wrong is what I'm saying. <laughs> Basically, if you're going to go by those standards, only the first Iron Man could be their solo movie. <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't count. Spider-Man's not in the Marvel Universe yet. It's Marvel. It's Sony. Yes, but it's a Marvel friggin' character is what I'm saying. Shut up. Just keep going I, with your I'm silly little story. I'm counting specifically the Marvel-produced films. Oh, fine, fine, fine. So it was a good show. It was very good. Like, Writing or acting? Good. Like, what were you really impressed with? Don't the acting both. was what I expected. I mean, you have Paul Rudd in, in the main role, but he was good Scott Lang. 
I was actually impressed, not impressed, but surprised by how much Michael Douglas was in the movie. Like they made Hank Pym a much more central part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe than I was expecting. I was honestly expecting him to just be kind of like a side character, but they made him really important to the past and future of the movies, which I was uh, actually really nice to see. But uh, the shrinking effects and the combat scenes around them were astonishing. Like they made Ant-Man badass and I believed it. Like I, I, again, I just really enjoyed the movie top to bottom. Hmm. Okay, cool. I am looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet, but I am looking forward to seeing it. Like it wasn't a must see. Like it's, it's probably the first Marvel movie I haven't seen on Thursday night since God, maybe Thor (laughs) two. I was going to see it Thursday night, but uh, me being old and tired kind of won out. And then I was busy all that next weekend, so I managed to catch it this weekend. Cool. As for actual comics, I have to start off with the most important comic of the month, the last issue of Hawkeye. And they stuck the landing. I I will say that the earlier issues of the run were definitely stronger than the latter half, if you will. That's not to say the last several issues haven't been fantastic, but... uh, just the, those first dozen or so issues were so fresh and so different that kind of continuing with that trend, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to say I got tired of it, but it's one of those things where when a comic is so good for so long, you just kind of expect it to still be good and you're not as wowed by it as you were previously. Right. But I, it was a, a solid ending for all the characters. Matt Fraction, I'm small spoiler alert Matt Fraction lived up to his promise and the dog lived which was a very important <laughs> but like even the the last uh, couple pages that was pure fraction aja like that was a great way of like finishing the series and kind of putting driving home the point of this was really a one of a kind comic and you may see similar things but nothing that's going to quite match what they've done here you'll see people try but uh i think this was a very singular comic especially amongst uh the major publishers cool all right what have you got okay uh i got my hands on that star trek and green lantern crossover because awesome (laughs) so uh written by mike johnson art by angel hernandez my new release list must have been off because according to my list that came out this week I'm including everything that I've been reading since. I'm just saying, I, I, I had it down as a new release for two days from now, so my list must have been wrong. Oh yeah, no, that's off. No, so um, freaking awesome, freaking awesome. I loved it, and it makes sense because it's kind of Ganteth, Gan Ganthet is basically the one that prompts the that shift into the other dimension kind of thing. And they play mm-hmm. it off. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's like, they play it off believably for both IPs. Like you could see this happening in either one of them, especially the Star Trek, because it's the modern telling of Star Trek. So the characters are a little bit different and things like that. So it's when you're, you're reading what's going on and these rings are flying around. I can so easily see it happening in be it an episode or a, a movie kind of thing very freaking cool and the art was spectacular cool loved it loved it cannot wait to read more highly encourage people to pick this up because again this is if we can get more people buying these idw crossovers and things like that they will keep working on them for us and they are justifiably awesome i really enjoyed this Cool. I, I was actually really excited to check it out this week. Uh, apparently, I missed out. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw a couple together here because they're both Secret Wars tie-ins. Uh, first of all, Siege, which in a lot of ways is uh, Kieran Gillen's kind of goodbye to the Marvel Universe. He said that uh, he's basically just going to be focusing on his creator-owned stuff as well as still writing the Darth Vader series because he loves writing that comic so much. But as far as main Marvel comics, he's kind of stepping back from that for now, which is fine. I mean, a lot of uh, his contemporaries are doing that. Hickman, Fraction, etc. Kelly Sue. So it's basically him bringing together all of the characters that he's written over the last several years and smashing them together into one big Secret War story. You have uh, Agent Brand, 
the former head of S.W.O.R.D., who has always been a character I've loved with her attitude, and putting her in charge of the wall that protects the battle world, civilized areas from the zombies and the rampaging androids and all the nastiness out there. And uh, teaming her up with uh, Leah, who is, of course, fan favorite from his Journey into Mystery run, and just throwing some interesting stuff in there. And he's actually said he was really excited that he got to write Kang for the first time and bring him in as an adversary. It was really fun. I, I loved the art. God, get, I actually don't have who did the art on this. Give me a second. Like that Gillen creativity that we saw during his uh, X-Men run. Uh, Felipe Andrade, of course, uh, who did a lot of the Captain Marvel stuff. Finding, you know, creative solutions to traditional comic problems because uh, one of the characters here is Leonardo da Vinci, who, yes, is an actual part of Marvel canon. And they have this army of cloned Cyclops. Cyclopes? Yeah, I think that's the correct term, Cyclopes. And he just creates a giant lens and they all focus their optic blasts to wipe out hordes of enemies. Just, it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. I've always been a huge fan of Kieran Gillen's uh, Marvel work. So seeing everything come together into one big story, I actually really liked it. And it also brought together some of the stuff we've seen in other comics. Uh, Miss America shows up from uh, the A-Force comics and uh, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, uh, from the one... Secret Wars journal story where she was like Robin Hood. So he's picking up characters that have been dropped off by other series that, and uh, bringing them in here. So it's actually a lot of fun. Cool. And the second one I wanted to mention was Civil War. Oh, that was awesome. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Because it took the, quite frankly, ridiculous concept of Civil War and just ran with it. Took it to its logical extreme of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers as these now warring heads of state who have split America in half and just despise each other. And it makes no sense in a lot of ways. But again, going by the logic that was established in the Secret Wars miniseries, it makes perfect sense. And just to run with it to such an extreme, I really loved. I think Charles Soule wrote that, correct? Yep. It it definitely read like a Charles Soule comic. <laughs> and so, but like also the stuff with Peter and him being the new Falcon and visiting Mary Jane. I actually, I was not expecting to like it, but I still checked it out anyway. And I was very pleasantly surprised. Actually, I, and I'm not a, like I enjoyed some aspects of the original, not all of it, but obviously yes. some of it was spectacular. Some of it was like, eh, whatever. But, um, but I, I don't know. I thought, based on the lunacy of this event that this actually could work. And, and I loved it. Loved every part of them. Before I actually go any further, though, gotta give props where they're deserved here. How do you pronounce this? Lainil, Lainil Francis U, the penciler yeah. and inker Jerry Alan and whatever, man, art in this is amazing. Like I loved the art in this. It, it it was just so good. <laughs> like the, the the panel where the 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 beam is shooting through cloak and like buildings are crumbling down and everything and you're going like holy crap. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Uh have you got any others for us? <laughs> really? Seriously? I know. <laughs> Maybe I do. Let me just check. Um yeah, just do the Green Lanterns. Stay with that just for one more. I'm assuming you have not read The Lost Army. I looked at it. didn't seem like it would interest me, so I passed. Okay. I actually, again, I've been a little bit in a Green Lantern frame of mind, so I was like, okay, well, I'll read them both. It's a slow start to a story because really not much happens in two issues. So, I mean, there's... There's development in terms of setting up some of what we can assume is going to be coming along. But there's also just like a lot of them just, again, they're just stuck in space. And now they have no power source. And the very lazy writing way around this, it was like, oh, they just found this red power source in the middle of nowhere. 
and oh well, we're about to die because we're running out of power, so we might as well try to use it and see what happens. And oh my god, it actually boosted all our rings to two hundred percent or whatever. Wow! It was. So it was like, wow, isn't that convenient? And now you can actually just defend yourself, go off if you need to, whatever. Just this giant triangle, red triangle in space that just happens to charge these rings. So cheap writing tricks like that, I really have no use for. And then while it was well written in terms of like the dialogue and things that's happening, it's just very little does actually happen. So when something does, some of it was like, okay, that's kind of cool, but there's a lot of just floating in space going on here. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to bother with this lantern series. I'll just find another one. Mm -hmm. Did you read the uh, latest issue of the regular green lantern? No. Uh, As much as I love Hal being a complete badass. Not working. There's, there's not enough meat to the story. It has been two issues now. So, like, I love seeing Hal out there just wrecking an entire fleet by himself because it's awesome and the art is really nice. But I, I, I need something a little with a little more meat on its bones to yeah. keep me going. Yeah, I agree. That's essentially this here. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. On, on the other hand, uh, I did read the latest Justice League as well, issue 42, which we read the issue 41 uh, when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the, dark, the dark Side War. I'm actually really getting into this now. Oh, really? The stuff that Johns is doing with uh, the new gods characters is actually pretty good. Like I said, my favorite part of the previous issue was all the stuff with Mr. Miracle. And they continue to run with that and expand on it and bring in a lot of the other related characters. I mean, when Metron shows up at the end and the stuff they do with him and the League and Batman, I, I'm, I'm actually on board with this right now. Cool. Okay, my turn? Yeah. Hard to pick just the ones that I want to talk about because I'm not going to get to do them all. Okay, um, you never just, know. Just because uh, it's topical. Did you read the new um, Archie reboot? I did. Uh, I was pretty mad overall myself. It was an Archie comic written in 2015. I don't even think it, I don't think I'd say that. I mean, it would have to be quite a bit more cheesy and things like that for it to be an Archie comic. So I can see what Wade is trying to do and whatnot. It's just that it wasn't interesting. It was Mm -hmm. a teen story, a teen high school story, which maybe somewhere, again, we might not be the right age group for this kind of thing. Right. So maybe this is engaging for teen readers. I, I still read different teen things as well and can appreciate whether I feel like, okay, I can appreciate that. Yeah. That'd be something that would interest them. But even reading this, I'm going like, I can't think of anybody really like you'd have to be pretty young to be gripped by what's going on here. I just really wasn't. It did not care. I, I kind of wonder how somebody older would look at the Archie comics I read in the eighties or you read in the fifties and how their yes. interpretations of that would be. Yes. Yeah. Always clever. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I actually have a good thing to say about Superman. Really? Yeah, I read the latest action comics because a lot of people were really recommending it. I liked it. Wow. This uh, this new, not depowered Superman, but scaled back Superman. And he can't even fly anymore. He's not invulnerable. He's still strong as heck. So you still get a lot of that. What the hell nice... happened? Last time uh, we checked, he devolved into level two Pokemon. I, I have no idea. Okay, then. I'm not going back to find out. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's definitely lost a few power levels. But it really gets into kind of that old school Superman mentality of, you know, defending the weak and upholding justice. And I missed out on a lot of story elements here because he's now, you know, a wanted vigilante. He's kind of the Batman of Metropolis, if you will. But a lot of the character stuff here that he did, you know, standing up for the little guys and, you know, still showing some pretty impressive feats of strength that you now know are a struggle for him. It's making Superman more relatable because he's not this perfect godlike figure anymore. He's he's now fallible, but he's still psychologically the same character, which I think gives an interesting twist and uh, 
I'm actually going to pick up the next couple issues and see where they go with it. Really? Cool. Okay. I liked a Superman story. That's... I'm proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, because it's all on you. <laughs> You're responsible for this. <laughs> Still not a fan of the costume, though. He's wearing the stupid jeans and T-shirt thing again. Yeah. He's pulling up a, a super boy. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> all right. I'm assuming you read the latest Invincible. Indeed. It was even on my list. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. I See, this is where, again, when we've talked about his plans moving forward, and you're like, just, just, it's invincible. Have a little faith. And it's true. Every issue that comes out, you're going like, well, that was great. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> it, sometimes there's a lot more enthusiasm, for sure. I'm, I'm, but it was still, it's still freaking awesome. I I can't remember the last Invincible issue that I just didn't go, wow, that was really freaking awesome. And, and even then, the ones that we weren't crazy about, in retrospect, were really good, too. They were yeah. just setting up stuff for the future. Yeah. So this was great. I love the relationship with Monster and the kid, which oh, not, not so much a kid, but that bonding together now kind of thing and, and fighting together. And, and it was bound to happen where you would see more of the quote-unquote leftover heroes flipping just because there's peace in the world. So it, it, I was waiting for how he would tackle that, Kirkman would tackle that, because, again, you're getting that. Why would they keep fighting against this regime if, in fact, there's peace throughout? At what point, what or do they, you know, mm-hmm. how do they what justify are they fighting that? For? So I'm really looking forward to seeing, again, going forward, because obviously not everybody is drinking the Kool-Aid, so, but a lot of them have. So, yeah, this was awesome. And I really like that they're tackling that head-on. The only criticism is I think it needed a little more time to breathe. Like, one page, they're breaking out of prison, and then the next page, it's, oh, a couple weeks later, uh, suddenly we're changing our minds. Yeah, I want to argue with that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I also can't argue that it was done well either way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I I was actually really interested in seeing who was going to go along with it. Like, yeah. cool stuff, cool stuff. I knew she wouldn't. And that oh, last absolutely. panel with that look in her eyes. Oh, man. If you've been married for <laughs> an extended period of time, <laughs> you know what that look is. <laughs> ah, skull kickers. I haven't read the last couple. I'm behind oh, a couple. God. I know, I know. Living up to his word, this last story arc is one giant tavern brawl. (laughs) That's all it's been for three issues now. (laughs) And it does that sort of comic book meta commentary thing that normally I would hate where the narrator steps in and starts talking about how in every, you know, continual narrative, eventually the writer reaches a point where he loses control of his own story and just has no choice but to make it a giant fight. But because it's skull kickers and what we've come to expect of it and how they flaunt, you know, traditional comic <laughs> logic, it works. And it also helps that the next page and the next page and the next page and the next page keep upping it. <laughs> when, okay, here's 10, here's 11, here's 12. <laughs> we don't know how high this gauge can go. But somewhere around the time the homicidal unicorn pops in, <laughs> it's just fantastic. And all of the uh, the multidimensional skull kickers that we've seen uh, from my God, that, that one Tavern Tales issue they did, they're all popping it. It's, it's so insane. I can understand why this issue was late. Edwin Huang, that man is a god for the work he turned in on this issue. <laughs> Read it. Catch up. Make it happen. Yes, I know. I know. Did you read the uh, Armor Wars? I did read issue three. I still haven't read issues one or two. (laughs) Well, then what the hell? (laughs) I don't know. I was just like, all right, let me just see if I can jump in. And you can't really. Well, you can, but it's. I tried. You can't say I didn't try. No, trying would have been reading them in order, numb nuts. Okay. God. Anyways, 
if you read one and two, three is actually really friggin' cool. I am still finding this to be one of the better, not the best, but one of the better uh, Secret World spinoffs. I mm. really am digging this a lot, a lot. I love the story. I like the the mis- mystery and the detective work of trying to figure out not just what happened to Peter Urich, the, the that Spider-Man from that world, mm-hmm. But also what he figured out before getting killed that could save everybody kind of thing from this virus that forces him to wear these iron suits. Freaking awesome stuff. I I really, really like it a lot. Even not reading the two previous issues, I do agree. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, go ahead and take another one because I'm running uh, near the end of my list. Ah. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stick with some spiders. Oh, my God. This is a ton. That's of... why I'm running near the end of my list. I saved all the spider stuff for you. Well, <laughs> you can tackle some, too. I got some other ones, too. Oh, go run with it. I'll chime in. Spider Island, number one. Different from what I was expecting. One of the best freaking covers by Ramus I've seen in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love A lot this. of great X-Men covers to look forward to. Don't oh, like. man. God, I'm so happy. I love Raymond so much. The when you <laughs> that first page and it's Captain Marvel with all the bug eyes everywhere and it's oh. like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. And I loved it all. I like how again that this is what if that spider virus had gotten out and infected tons, freaking Hulk smash with oh my eight God. arms. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's awesome, and uh, and everything else. I I liked. I like the story. I like how you're getting again. It's that more so than a lot of the other ones. For, at least for me, it really is that what if mentality kind mm-hmm. of thing from that event, and I I dig that so much because so much of that event in my head I was running those what ifs and whatnot. So here to see what would happen, and eventually Peter does. Even though he's fighting against them all, there's only so much he can do, especially when he's got freaking Hulk holding him down and somebody else wanted to rip his arms off. So, and to see who survives, how they survive, things like that. The, the, the fact that the Venom suit saved Flash, yeah. that's things like that. I thought it was really well written. I liked the the stuff in it. The transformations at the end were like, mm-hmm. oh, that's <laughs> like, okay, now I need to see what the next issue is going to be all about. So it was great. And then the the other story in it too, the Mayday Parker one, was yeah. a surprise actually. It's, there was so much that I was really digging and I I wish, I wish it could have been longer, you know, Mm -hmm. had an issue just to itself to really shine. Although I don't know how long exactly it was. It was fairly long, but I really did. It was was a fair chunk. Solid eight pages, I think. It was, it was, I enjoyed it a lot. I would have liked to have seen more stuff with her dealing with stuff out of costume because there was a lot in costume Mm -hmm. regardless Friggin' awesome stuff. I loved it. Yeah. I, I think you could tell they really wanted to do a Mayday series as part of Secret Wars, but they were already publishing too much spider stuff. So that is a they, they made some room opinion. for her, but man, there, there had to have been something they could have canceled to make this its own <laughs> series. <laughs> uh, Spider-Verse, you're keeping up with that too? Mm-hmm. My cost is doing that one too. That was... I liked it. Equally awesome, although I could have done without the narrative. That mm. overlaid narrative, I definitely could have done without. But, and I wasn't crazy about the art. I'm not going to lie. Not really. The art's been pretty iffy throughout this whole yeah. series. Also, this idea of, again, a crap load of spiders not working that well together. I think we just kind of saw some of that already. Although a lot of what we saw was uh, they do still work well together. You know, a lot of the stuff was working well together. So this idea of, oh, my God, nobody was working well together did not listen. Eh, not really. And, but, I mean, some of it was pretty, pretty cool. I loved, I love the stuff where they're all, like, identified and talking with Norman. <laughs> and it's like I loved all the stuff with Osborne in this issue. That's what I mean. So, yeah, it, it was good. It wasn't as good as Spider Island for me, but it was still, it was still awesome. Mm-hmm. 
And then we got more spiders too. We oh, got yes. the amazing Spider-Man. And that was uh, Spiral Part 4. That's mm-hmm. the .1 stuff that we got. And it was like all the stuff with Wraith. I'm loving this. Man, it was ever good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am... I don't want to say I like her more than Silk because that'd be a lie, but I like her more than Spider-Gwen. I this, this character has so much freaking depth. And then this here was showing all the stuff with like her grandfather and then her father and then the charges against him and, and just how flexible her morality bar is and things like that. And... And because of her rank, too, in the police, she also has that authority that even if she's making the wrong choice, she's owning it and doing it and isn't going to be bossed around by the likes of Peter. So, Mm -hmm. like, this was just awesome, awesome, awesome. Art was spectacular. And, again, building Wraith to a level that I was not expecting but I am really happy about it. Yeah. I, it, I don't want to say we should be surprised because the first three issues were so great, but it somehow got better. <laughs> it somehow one-upped itself. Well, it's just as the story continues to mm-hmm. go, we're getting more and more invested. And we already were invested in Wraith because we like her as a character, both in and out of costume kind of thing. So... This is just really giving us so much more of that backstory. And also the backstory, how it kind of parallels with Peter's and how differences in how it branches out will affect the morality of the hero at the end. So, yeah, it was great. And the art was by Carlo Barbary and yeah. uh, Juan Velasco. Man, just amazing art. Mm-hmm. And last Spider, again, the Amazing Spider-Man, but this is the Renew Your Vows thing, mm-hmm. the second one. Um, that one was from uh, Slot. What did you think of this one? I said the first one, I wasn't crazy about it at first, but it kind of grabbed me by the end of the issue. I'm really starting to like this twisted version of Spider-Man's Manhattan that Slot's building here. I love it. I really like it a lot. This, I- the scene where he delivers the pictures to Jonah and the complete 180, like in the entire yeah. concept there, that is what went, okay, this is pretty damn cool. This is way different from what we were expecting from the series. And you were probably in the same boat as me that didn't see that coming. Not that, one bit. That never happens. Never happens. So when you're sitting there and something's like, whoa, hey, that's original. Thank you. And, and, and having him... Save the freaking Power Pack kids. After How great we is it that the Power just, Pack showed up right after we talked about that? Comic. It was awesome. And I had no clue what was going on. I, I mean, unless you've read what was going to be happening in this story or unless they teased that the Power Pack kids were going to be in it, I had no idea. So I figured he's going to save yeah. his kid. And then get there and I, <laughs> and the first thing I see, of course, is that, that rainbow. And it was like, oh. <gasps> i loved all of this i loved that peter has to be different and fight so hard against every fiber of his being that wants to be the hero and teaching his daughter to do the same kind of thing and then the 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 dynamic between peter and MJ and the child is really awesome because, like, you know, that's not MJ either. MJ is, again, in your freaking face and out there. And this is a much more reserved as well. And because you have to be. This was just, again, beginning to end awesome. My God, this was cool. I mm-hmm. loved this. And yeah. that's actually the last Spider one that I have, I believe. I think so. I think so. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I want to talk about Book of Death, the latest uh, crossover comic coming from Valiant. Like, I've talked about Valiant a lot and how still issue to issue, a lot of their main comics 
have their problems, but if you look at a lot of the overall story arcs and t- storytelling they want to do, there's some solid stuff in there. And they really bring out their A games when they do these big crossover events. Uh, the one they did before this, uh, The Valiant, where again, they, it was this huge crossover. I really looked, I really dug that. Like a lot of the horror elements they brought in there, like really a lot of fun. And then even uh, Dead Drop, like the kind of noir sort of comic they're telling right now, that one's also been pretty interesting. But Book of Death, I'm actually really digging as well because they've been doing all this stuff around uh, the character of the Geomancer, who's, you know, kind of the uh, representative of Earth and nature. And what happened in the Valiant was we found out that over the millennia, there's this counterforce that tries to kill the Geomancer. And uh, Galad, who's an immortal, is the Geomancer's protector. And it's been all the times he's failed over the millennia. So now here we have in the Book of Death, he's finally protected the geomancer there there's now a geomancer that's not under threat from this uh, nemesis but is still under threat from other sources and just the way that they're doing a lot of the storytelling and that we know there's a dark future of the valiant universe that's uh, in this you know this prophecy it's actually pretty interesting i was really liking it and they're also doing these tie-ins that are the dark future of the valiant universe they did one for bloodshot that was essentially how bloodshot dies and Bloodshot is basically Valiant's version of Wolverine. And to, to kind of make the analog, when Wolverine's being Wolverine, he's awesome. When Wolverine's being Logan, he's a really good character. By that same effect, when Bloodshot's being Bloodshot, he's a second-rate Wolverine. There's plenty of those characters around. But when he's being Ray, there's some really interesting story elements there where he's this super soldier that's been used and, you know, had his memories messed with and all this stuff. But the way they do that is very unique to themselves. Uh, what they've been doing with uh, Bloodshot Reborn, where he's, you know, free of the nanites and, you know, how that affects his life has been pretty interesting. But now here in Book of Death, we see him, you know, living through hundreds, if not thousands of years of the future because, you know, he ages very slowly. And we see a lot of glimpses of the potential that the Valiant universe has and a lot of the, uh, the characters that they can draw upon. And I'm actually really liking it. This, this little event book of death has really made me appreciate what the Valiant universe as a whole represents in a set of, uh, some of the individual characters that I've enjoyed. Cool. I don't know if a new reader could quite jump in and appreciate it though, because it does kind of require knowledge of the characters that show up. Right. Okay. I thought I thought we would have a little fun last week too. And <laughs> picked up something and I thought I need to see if maybe Rob Leefield isn't as bad now <laughs> as he would back then. You fool. Or just have fun laughing. One or the other is going to happen. So I read Bloodstrike number 1. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Even just looking at the cover, <laughs> you look at the cover and go, oh, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> oh, Lord. And I'm like circling different things and going, oh, my God, this, this, this. So there's this dude hanging by the wall. Now, I'm going to straight up say I've never read any Blood Strike. Okay. Not a Rob Leeville fan. <laughs> obviously, and and I'm quite all right with laughing at him at any point that I can, or his artistic talent, but let's be honest, him too. So <laughs> there's, I don't know all the characters, but I don't think it matters anyway. The, the hilarious thing about Rob, he's a better artist than he is a writer. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, there's a dude in a, Mucha Lucha kind of mask hanging against the wall. This is your first panel. I wish I could just show you. All you see is this naked torso, but it's chopped off right where like the heart would be. Even though he's kind of making it seem like there's entrails hanging down, it's kind of like right where your lungs and heart. That stuff's hard to draw, Rob. (laughs) 
So don't call me Rob. I know that I was slipped. a yeah, oh you slip, God. but don't do that again. <laughs> and so anyways, this dude in the mask and no shirt, no explanation why his shirt would be off, let, let alone why he's chopped in half. <laughs> but he's still wearing his mask, okay? And there's I, blood. I don't think you understand the, the sacred <laughs> elements of a Lucha Libre mask. I mean, no. that's – you would take off Batman's mask before you would unmask a luchador. It gets better. Just listen now, okay? <laughs> He has to get out of there because he can heal through this. He knows he can heal through this. So his arms, though, are in chains. Um, And so he decides he's going to chew his arm off. Now, he has a mask on that covers his mouth, but at one point it manages to disappear. Mm -hmm. Also... In typical Rob Leefield fashion, people who wear masks suddenly lose their noses. Yeah, uh, Completely yeah. got. Now, suddenly his mouth appears. <laughs> There's a hole in the mask. And he starts to, I, I'm not making this out, nom, 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 <laughs> his arm off. That's the word bubbles, the little things beside it. Nom, nom, nom. Another panel. It's a crossover with chew. Nom, nom, nom. There's even a chomp, a snap as the arm comes off in a straight cut. I mean, there's a little bit of jag, but it's pretty much a straight cut. He chewed through his arm in a straight line as if a freaking lightsaber had gone through it not a lot of blood to speak of a few chunks and then he swings one way the arm swings another way next panel he's free it still doesn't explain how he what did he chew the hand off or the other arm off as well because <laughs> he's still hanging one-armed no legs from the wall it's just so goddamn ridiculous and that's how I this love starts how you've spent five minutes talking about the first two pages of a comic book <laughs> In all fairness, three pages. <laughs> I now have to read this. <laughs> the rest of it is equally ridiculous, poorly written. The art is, oh, it, it reminded me of, again, that time. And, and seeing the comments of that day, you're like, oh, my God. And, like, the angles and everything are going like, Rob. That's not how perspective works. <laughs> We've told you this. So at this point in his career, he doesn't care. Oh, and you know it's, what? The Liefeld style has become a style all, all to its itself. Own. Yeah, yeah. I, I stand corrected. I, I'm kind of flicking through it. I haven't read it in a while. He didn't actually have to chew his other arm off. He died and was ported into another body. And then you have, it gets better. He already chewed one. Yes, it gets better. Intro, large, furry, wendigo-looking creature thing that is sitting, holding two naked women on his hands, his laps with his hands under them. And you can tell where. And they've got, like, stars and crescent moons covering their nipples and that's it and it is the most misogynistic piece of shit i've seen in a comic book for a while now and that's saying a lot and then he eats them (laughs) and then he stands over their naked blood spattered bodies including chests with clearly defined nipples under blood he is partially shaded out from partway down his waist down, but you can clearly see the outline of a massive baseball bat schlong. And he's holding one it of the... W- it wouldn't be a Liefeld comic without uncomfortable amounts of man area. There, He's holding in his bloodied hands one of the women's heads. And I'm going like, oh my God. And then this... And then again... Lifefield maturity level when he pops back and is regrown at one point, he's regrown without his man bits because he was hanging from the chest up. So it makes sense that he, or he was cut from the chest up. He was, he lost the bottom half. So it makes sense that he doesn't get his, he gets his legs back, but not, not as junk. 
it just makes no sense and it's juvenile in a way that you're like this was written by not an adult male and and i understand that even as we get older myself included sometimes you're still a goofball and you have fun and whatever but there's a difference between that and writing this kind of teenage boy fan service stupidity and it's it's just so bad it's just so bad it ends with you find out where the schlong is this villainess has his junk in a petri dish kind of thing like it's just horrible horrible all you've done is convince me that i now have to experience this for myself yeah i will not be reading anymore (laughs) at all I and think then, I just found a new favorite comic. And then, the, of course, there's a, an ad at the back for another Leafill comic, The Covenant. And the, the dude on the cover, A, again, perspectives. While he still can't draw somebody holding a sword, he's holding, dude's holding a bunch of heads that are in a perpetual scream because that's what heads do when they're lopped off. They remember the same facial expression they made right before the sword cut their heads off. And the the dude holding the heads had that same Lee Field scowl thing. I swear to God, he cuts and pastes these facial expressions. So yes, read it, laugh. I, yeah, it blew my mind. I had one more comic on my list, but I can't, I can't follow that. <laughs> I well, think that's where we have to end the episode. No, no, we're not. We are not. Not after the last freaking episode. We are talking about Groot, and that is final. Did you read it? You did I not. I did. Did you? I don't remember. It was so long ago now. <laughs> I know I read it. I don't remember what happened. It starts off with him imagining all the everybody as Groots. And there's like the... Yes. He's floating in space. And there's like the Avengers that are all Groots. <laughs> Spider-Man and, and Galactus and the Watcher and they're all <laughs> there's the cannonball special <laughs> with yes. Groot, Colossus and Wolverine and I was like that's awesome <laughs> I you know what I this is again I loved this issue obviously I've been talking about it without talking about it for several weeks now plus I talked about it on Twitter I've been telling anybody I know I keep sending clips of different things to people I know little pictures from within just because so much of it is awesome but the thing that I love the best and I would love to know if this was the artist's idea or the writer's idea the uh, this is Jeff Loveness wrote it and art was done by Brian Kessinger and Jeff oh no that was Leather Letter was Jeff Eckleberry. But yeah, Brian Kessinger did all the art. Props to you, bro. Because wow. But the images within I Am Groot. So I've used this effect in Photoshop often with different designs and all that. You just mm-hmm. create a whatever it is that you want to write. Make sure that it's in a font that is very bold. So there's space inside of it. And then you just cut out the insides and put a an image behind it so that you see the image, but you still see the lettering. So in Mm -hmm. this case, every time he's saying, I am Groot, you're also seeing an image of what he's trying to say. And I thought that is brilliant. Brilliant. I don't know if it's been done in another Groot issue or guardians. That's a first to me. I've never seen that. And it was freaking brilliant. So whichever one of you guys thought of that, hell, I don't know, but man, brilliant. Loved it. And then the issue as a whole, again, it's that, that exp, not exploration, but that adventure of going here and there. And then that meeting with Rocket. I mean, you always wonder what was it that brought them together? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, how is it that Rocket can understand him kind of thing? And boom, we get all of that here within reason and that bonding between the two of them. Like, this was just, it was a great issue because it gave us that history lesson of the character and his relationship with with rocket which is important especially in light of the movie the guardians movie because there's still a lot of people who saw the guardians who still haven't you know read a lot of these comics if any so this is going to help with that i hope that these are being picked up by people who watch the movie and they're picking up for their kids or hell themselves but this was just great beginning to end it was fun at the beginning with the 
everybody's a Groot. And then afterwards with the, again, the, the, the lettering and seeing something unique, which once again, we don't see in comics. And then the rest of the story with Rocket, which was just fun and interesting and cool. The issue as a whole was just so freaking awesome. I am loving this as much as the single Rocket series right now. This is awesome. And that's the thing, like, one of the reasons I initially held off was because I basically expected the comic just to be Rocket Raccoon. Like, because how can you tell a Groot comic without Rocket there to translate? So I, I was very surprised that they made it very unique, made it his own. Of course, Rocket's in it, but it's very much Groot's story yes, yeah. with Rocket as the sidekick now. Yeah. So I, I praise for making two very similar comics very unique and distinct. Yeah, yeah. It's a testament to the writers of both of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can go and finish off the show, but just very, very, very quickly, <laughs> Old Man Logan, still awesome. Yes. I, Sorrentino is inhuman. The Digging artwork it, is yep. just ridiculous. Unbelievable. And it is, as I had said, well, as we'd said too, something we're in, as the story is progressing, if you're reading it all in one chunk kind of thing, you're going to enjoy it way more than slowly pacing it out just because of the manner in which a story is being told. But that does not take away from just how freaking awesome it is. Like I, really I had to read that. issue three twice. Yeah. yeah. After I'd finished it, I was like, I don't think I read any of the words. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I was just so blown away by the art. Yeah. It, it is just really, really good. All right, then uh, let's talk about some of this week's new releases. It's an interesting week as is usual when there's five Wednesdays in a month. Yeah, the, the, the big companies don't quite schedule their stuff very well. So we've seen ridiculous release weeks for Marvel, but this week is pretty small by their standards. We have 1602, Witch Hunter Angela number two, Black Widow number 20, Guardians Team Up number eight, Powers number four, Star Wars number seven, and Thor's number two. From DC, we have Batgirl number 42, Flash Annual number four, Gotham by Midnight Annual number one, and Whoa. Superman number 42. That being said, Image is picking up the slack. <laughs> this week we have Lazarus, number 18, Low, number 8, Manhattan Projects, Sun Beyond the Stars, number 2, Sex Criminals, number 11, Southern Bastards, number 10, The Tithe, number 4, and Wayward, number 10. From Dark Horse, we're getting Tomb Raider, number 18, and it's also a really good week out of IDW. We have Ghostbusters, Get Real, number 2, Gem and the Holograms, number 5, I thought we were getting Star Trek Green Lantern number one. Sorry. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 48 and X-Files Annual 2015. Pay attention, other publishers. That's how you should be numbering your annuals. <laughs> Just put a year yes. on it if they're annual. <laughs> anyway, that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. I don't think we've recorded an issue since we recorded our latest Popcorn Ronin. But if you would like to hear us talk about Mad Max and how much we loved the movie, check us out over at popcornronin.com. I Roger pulled a fast one on me, but uh, I'm pretty pleased with the results. So until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. <laughs>